Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, it's a big day for us, isn't it? It sure is. You know, in the last month, Chris, we've had, I would say, a who's who of guests. You know, we've had... Uh, the, the governor's uh, press secretary. We've had we've had our director on, and today, my friend, is no different. We have the lieutenant governor of Michigan, Brian Kelly. Uh, lieutenant governor, thank you so much for coming on Field Days. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to be with you. So again, thanks for joining us on this. You know, we have a very very important topic for for you um, and for the work that we do here at the Department of Corrections. It's one that is affecting you know so many people. So, lieutenant governor, let's talk about this. There's an opioid addiction problem that is. Just, it's an epidemic across the nation. It's not just in Michigan. You know, we're being hit very, very hard by it. There's more opioid deaths than, than car accidents now. So I know you have, a, you have a huge passion on this topic. So let's talk about, you know, what, what is Michigan doing around this? And, uh, you know, I, I know Governor Snyder proclaimed um, this week, October 21st through 27th, Opioid Addiction Awareness Week. So what is Michigan doing around this topic? We have, we have a lot of work to do, but thankfully we have made a lot of progress over the last couple of years. Uh, we had to start with building infrastructure. We, we put a, uh, a task force together uh, that was a multidisciplinary task force. It dealt with uh, prevention and uh, treatment and long-term recovery, cr- criminal justice reform. And out of that, there was kind of a centerpiece need that we came across, which was recognizing that, the, uh, that most addictions uh, to opioids anyway, these days, over half start with prescription drugs. And yet, we didn't have a, uh, a very functional um, central prescription system. So, in other words, doctors would write prescriptions, and they wouldn't necessarily know the prescription history of the person that they were dealing with. And uh, that was a really important piece of uh, IT infrastructure we needed to get in place. So we looked around the country. We found a great system we, and that we put in place, and now we require all prescribers and dispensers to use it so that uh, any doctor at any place in Michigan when they write a, uh, a prescription for, for a medicine that is addictive, that they can see the entire prescription history and spot problems where a person might have become addicted, a person might be doctor shopping, um, or there might be a pill diversion operation happening. That was a really important first step. Uh, but then there's also uh, prescription practices themselves, and thankfully those are starting to change. Uh, we saw the number of uh, opioid prescriptions written in Michigan go down for the first time in a very long time. And while the deaths, unfortunately, have continued to rise, we know that changing prescription practices over time will reduce the number of addictions that we have. But unfortunately, it doesn't reduce the number of people that are already addicted. And, uh, and, and so that's why it's important that we, that we approach this in a, in a comprehensive way. So we want to prevent addiction. We want to make sure that we have the best um, addiction and pain management in our medical system, but we also need to be committed to treating addiction. We need to help people who are already struggling with addiction to uh, to recover, and um, and you don't just do that with willpower alone. It takes real treatment, a concerted effort, in order to help a person recover. That's a perfect transition to to what we're doing here. You're absolutely right, Lieutenant Governor. You know, we have this problem in the Department of Corrections. You know, many, many, many of our folks that we, you know, that are under our supervision or in our prisons um, are addicted to, to a substance, um, you know, specifically opioids. And as you know, we're kind of the front line of this, helping combat this problem. 
you know, as a department, we're hyper-focused on providing the offenders that we supervise longer-term treatment, you know, because you can, when you talk about opioid addiction, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame. And we're doing some things that are, I think, pretty creative uh, to help this problem. You know, we're offering medication-assisted treatment, otherwise known as MAT, um, in many of our facilities for prisoners heading out the door onto parole. You know, we're, we're using Vivitrol, specifically Vivitrol, in a lot of our prisons because it's a great non-narcotic uh, MAT program. But we also know that MAT alone does not solve this problem, right? It's, you know, we, it's in conjunction with um, longer-term treatment. You know, it's in conjunction with recovery coaches when they come out. And that's where we're helping this effort um, as a department. And I think, you know, we are, we are making some, some headway on this. Um, we're going to continue to fight this battle along with you guys. And I also want to know, where do, you get, where do you get the passion to do this, to help out this huge problem in Michigan? Well, I try to take a, a redemption approach to public policy that, that every single life, literally every single life has value. And, um, and there aren't any throwaway people. And there's a, in many cases, there's a very fine line between, uh, between people that were fortunate enough not to, um, not to be in a situation where their life went way off track and those who, who did get way off track. And, um, and, and so I just, I don't want to give up on people. I've also, um, I've also known many, many people, including in my own family, uh, people who have struggled with addiction, addiction to, uh, alcohol or to opioids. It has quite an impact. It changes your perspective. You know, when you can see a person, when you know, when you've known a person before and after addiction, you can, you can see how it changes them. And it, and I think it, it, it's one of the reasons why overall public awareness is and uh, and support and acceptance of a different approach is growing. It's because every single community is hit. Every you know across our our, uh, our state, every single area. It doesn't matter where you're at on the social economic spectrum. It doesn't matter what race you are, what religion you are. It doesn't matter whether you live in a city or a suburb or in a rural area. That this is something that's touching so many different lives. Out of such a horrible thing, the growth of this epidemic. Um, it has led to higher awareness and, and a, a willingness to think broader than just treating people. You can't really just treat addiction by throwing somebody in jail, right? I mean, it takes more than that. And that's why as we started to, to look at medically assisted treatment as being a necessary thing. But there's, it really requires a, uh, a wraparound type of an approach. So when a person gets out of jail or prison, a warm handoff so that they're not just, you know, cold turkey at that point is uh is really important but also establishing um a uh a, a good environment to go back to having the um skills to uh to go out there and and um and have a a, a good job like to start a career start over um, these are all factors that can increase the chances of long term of success and long-term recovery when you have an, a, an approach that addresses all of these different things you know, that when you don't deal with the environmental issues and you only try to deal with the addiction as though it's happening in a vacuum, then um, the success rates aren't as good as when you look at everything. And that's why I'm, I'm so proud of what's happening in, in corrections. First of all, recognizing that medically assisted treatment is necessary. And I wouldn't, it's not a luxury. It's absolutely necessary for long-term addiction. So not only are, are corrections uh, efforts focusing on the science of it, but also the therapy and the job training and the placement that happens when a person has reached the end of their sentence and are, and are going back to society, all of these things, have, uh, they increase the, the likelihood of this, of the success in that person. 
it's not rocket science, right? I mean, it's, it stands to reason that a person that has something else to live for, that has established a good and healthy routine in their life, is going to have a better outcome than if they just go back to to the to the environment that they were um, in and a part of before they became addicted in the first place. You know, I think it's so important, and I really appreciate you know what you said there because you know our frontline staff, whether they're in the prison or in the field, you know they get that and they see that every day, and so I think it's so important for them to hear. A policymaker in Lansing, you know, the lieutenant governor, understand that as well because they're seeing it. And sometimes what happens in Lansing doesn't always translate to what happens out in the field. And so just to hear that you're on the same page with what we're doing, I think is going to be so powerful for our employees to hear and really to back them up. But like Greg said, you know, this is Opioid Awareness Week. And I was wondering if you could just touch on some of the other things that are going to be going on uh, during this week uh, that people might be looking out for, if there's anything new or anything that's rolling out um, as part of this, uh, this important week. We're going to do a lot of awareness work work next week on the efforts that have happened, and, and we're going to highlight some of the newer things. But we're also going to um, to try and bring together under a more one-stop shop type of a system the types of resources that communities and individuals and treatment efforts can can access. You know, it's like a lot of things in government. When you have a problem as, as complex and as big as addiction, it has the tendency to to be housed in a bunch of different places, like a maze. You know, the government is a big, is a big place. State government is a big place, and uh, and so when you have these different silos and different things happening in different places, well, a person out there in the community that has a need to uh, to access addiction services, um, whether it's for themselves or for somebody else, or uh, they're a, a provider or whatever the need, um, making it easier to understand what's out there and what's available and how can we. Uh, get connected to help. We're going to really focus on that, um, and and it's it's like systems building. There's a lot of good efforts happening right now, but those efforts are only successful if, if they're accessible to more people, and that's our goal. And I understand as part of this week that there's going to be a new website that's going to that's going to come out. Uh, I believe on the day that this podcast will air on Tuesday, there's going to be a new website coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and think of that website as a uh, kind of a, a comprehensive one-stop shop. Um, resource for people. So no matter what aspect of the opioid addiction epidemic that you're uh, that you're dealing with or you need help with, um, that this would be a place where you could get connected to it. And uh, and so that's our, our goal is to make it easier to that you don't have to be an expert in state government or local government in order to figure out what you're supposed to do to have the type of site that can just guide you through depending on what your needs are. To, to find that the information that you need to get the help that you need. Great, and I believe that that website's going to be michigan.gov slash opioid, is that right? I believe so, yes. Okay, well, we'll make sure we promote that, and, and there's going to be some hashtags going along with this campaign. We'll make sure we definitely promote all those. You know, are, are there other things that um, that we should be aware of that, this, that, that the state is doing? Uh, I believe MSP is having a drug take-back day. Um, anything else that, that we should point our listeners to? The drug take-back day is a really is a really important one, and so MSB part- participates in that. And um, but we we also thankfully there's a lot of uh, pharmacies that are um, that are starting the the practice of of having um, take-back bins as well. And one thing I always like to make sure that we stress is that it is a no questions asked process. So when you drop off drugs, it doesn't nobody's going to ask you where you got those drugs. Nobody's going to ask you um, anything about them. You just put them in the bin, and you're done, and they'll be safely disposed. And people might say, well, I don't know. I, you know, if I don't need them and I don't want them, 
couldn't I just throw them away or maybe I should flush them down the toilet or something like that? And the problem is that there are all kinds of chemicals in, um, in pharmaceuticals. You don't, you don't just want them generally out in the environment. They, they need to be disposed of properly. And, uh, and so uh, I, I encourage people, first of all, don't be afraid to, dr- to bring stuff, to bring any kind of drugs that you have in, whether you obtain them legally or not, because nobody's going to ask you where you got them. Just drop them in the bin and you're done, um, and they'll be safely disposed of. And please don't flush them down the toilet. It's just not an appropriate way to uh, to, to deal with uh, disposal of drugs. Well, I know we're coming up on the end of, of your eight years here as Lieutenant Governor. So, But are, are there things that you can see on the horizon that, that you're hoping uh, that Michigan can either get done in the next couple of months or uh, that you would hope that policymakers would take up uh, that you've seen that maybe other states do that, that you think we should be kind of looking out for? We are finally starting to see uh, prescription practices change. And I think that is going to result in fewer addictions in the future. My hope and, and, and my request really is that, number one, people do not get discouraged by the fact that this is a really hard problem and turning around the trends takes literally years. We have to keep on working at it. And, um, and number two is I want people to really uh, continuously open their their hearts and their minds to uh to a redemption approach to addiction people there are a lot of different reasons why people become addicted you don't know another person's story and it doesn't really matter but after a person uh, becomes addicted and uh, especially when they're ready to get better when they want to get better uh, we need to all of us need to have an all-in approach to uh to to dealing with that to erase the uh, the stigma of seeking treatment and to uh, and to and to take a, a comprehensive approach to helping them get better. Just taking that type of a, an, an overall approach is not like a single bill that needs to get passed on this. This really is a human reaction to addiction. I see it changing. It's starting to change in a lot of different uh, a lot of different areas. And you know, it's great work happening in places like corrections. I would just hope that in the future, when people don't become addicted and they don't end up in corrections in the first place, and that's the uh, the longer-term goal that we have, because whether a person's in prison a drug offense or not, chances are that drugs, use of drugs, addiction to drugs, had something to do with that person's life ending up in that uh, in that position. It's important that we uh, we just we just not give up, and we understand that this is a hard and complex problem. There are no easy answers, but that's not an excuse. We have to get it done. No, I couldn't agree more, and I thank you for saying that. And I just want to also just thank you before we go, for, you know, for being such a, uh, a proud and, and strong supporter of the MDOC. You know, Greg and I were both at the Ionia County Free Fair, and, and you were speaking there at the Governor's Day, and you took a, a good chunk of your speech to talk about corrections. And, and I know Ionia is, is a corrections town, and that's your your neck of the woods. And, but it was it's so great for our staff. We had a lot of our wardens there, and I think it's so powerful for them to hear the governor, the lieutenant governor, taking time out of their day to, to thank corrections, which typically has not been done in the past. And I think it's really good for them to hear that from you, as well as your better half, Representative Julie Kelly, uh, who's also very supportive and has visited a number of the Ionia facilities, has been out with our officers, um, cleaning up the, the roadways around the area, and just been a very strong supporter. So thank you to both you and Representative Kelly for on behalf of all the department, uh, we really appreciate uh, all you've done for us over the last uh, few years, and uh, and thank you for coming on Field Days. I could not be prouder of corrections. I consider it to be a national example of the criminal of effective criminal justice reform. Uh, I I think it's just it's in so many ways become a model for the rest of the nation. 
So, you know, it's more than just pride of, you know, I'm from, like you mentioned, I'm from Ionia and I'm proud of Corrections. I'm proud of the CEOs. I'm proud of the work that gets done and, uh, and, and the part that uh, Corrections plays in, in, uh, in keeping our community safe. Um, uh, but I, it, but it, it goes way, way beyond that. To turn around the lives of a person whose life has gone so far off track that they ended up in one of our prisons, to have success and getting people's lives back on track that are in that situation. It's extraordinary. It's remarkable. It took it took a, a different type of an approach in looking at things, and, and corrections is getting it done. I could not be more thankful. Well, well thank you again, uh, Lieutenant Governor. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Well, Chris, we can't thank the Lieutenant Governor enough uh, for coming on you know, our, our little MDOC podcast, because this is such an important topic. You know, we, we did a heroin series way back in the day, back before you even... Two years a, ago, yeah. Before you, were a, before you were a co-host. Yeah, back when Warden Aggie was still, before we fired Noah. That's right, with, with zero mics. But, you know, don't, don't mind that there wasn't mics that worked during our podcast. Mind that, you know, we thought about this stuff two years ago, and it was important then, it's just as important now. And just look at all the things that we're doing now that we weren't doing then. You know, we have medication-assisted treatment inside the prisons and outside the community. We have, you know, specific longer-term opioid treatment um, because, as I said before, when the t- with the lieutenant governor, you can't just do MAT. It has to be in conjunction with many other things like recovery coaches and treatment and, um, you know, and like you said, your environment you're in and mentoring. And um, those are all the things that we're looking at and we're doing now. But it is interesting that two years ago we had a heroin series, right, Chris? We interviewed a lot of good people, too. Yeah, we had we had the uh the perspective of the police, uh, judges, prosecutors, treatment providers. It was a four-part series. You and Noah did a really good job with that. I was very, very That's proud the first of. time you've ever given me a compliment on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> first time for everything. <laughs> Feeling very generous today. Very good. People can go back and they can find that and they can look at that. We might even post some links to that when we send out this email uh, blast to let everybody know about this episode. We'll have links to uh, the past uh, heroin series. Yeah, but this this is important. You know, this is uh, it's it's an epidemic. It's not um, you know just the stereotypical um, person you have in your head of, of of a drug addicted person on the streets. This is, this is affecting and touching everybody. You know, it, it, it's it's very very important that we do something to get this under control. Like like the lieutenant governor said, before they come to prison, um, let's get them under control so they don't have to commit a crime to come to prison. Let's help them. It's a human thing. So it's great we're talking about it again because this is this is right up right up our alley here in corrections because we're we're here to help people. So Chris, you did mention we were talking to him though. You mentioned a website and you mentioned some hashtags. Do you have those? Yeah. So the, the website again is michigan.gov/opioid. And then there's also, if you're going to be tweeting for our staff, if you're going to be tweeting throughout uh, the week, they ask that you use the hashtag MIOpioidsAwareness, hashtag MIOpioidsAwareness, and then also hashtag EndAddiction. So anything that you're doing in conjunction with that week, if you want to put those hashtags on there, it'll be seen by more people, and you can see what other people around the state are doing uh, around this very important week. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's push all the great stuff that we do um, out on Twitter so that, you know, so that people can see some of the cool stuff that we're doing. So I know, I know I'm sure Chris and Kamara will be tweeting next week using the hashtags. I'm sure uh, Deputy Director Marlin will also be doing it and McKee. So uh, make sure you use those hashtags. But, Chris, uh, more department-specific things. Last week I think there was a, a conference, right? Yeah, just uh, got back from the Wardens Conference up in uh, Mackinac City. Had a really great time, uh, two days. Uh, there's so many new wardens. It was great to, to get to know some of those folks a little bit better. And they had some really great uh, panels and a lot of really good discussions I think the wards are going to be going back to their facilities with a lot of new information uh, and it's very exciting to see as well as just hearing about all the things that we're doing in terms of training, uh, recruitment, retention efforts. Uh, there's a lot that the department's doing right now and it was great to give them an update on that and, and the fact that things are getting, uh, we're getting a lot more staff at, at 
Women's Huron Valley. Well, it sounds it sounds like you had a it sounds like you had a great time up there. That um, I, did you present or did you just go up there just to? Sit I there? did I did some presentations. Yeah, I uh, acted out some scenarios where I went put on my old reporter's hat and I oh. interviewed the wardens as if I was a reporter. Hard hitting uh, questions, I'm sure. A lot of hard hitting questions. Yep. To try to get under their skin, and, and but they did a very good job and presented some real life scenarios. You know that we came up with here that we thought might be that might present themselves in real life, and it was really. Uh, uh, good to know that a lot of the wardens came up to me afterwards and said that they'd already practiced a lot of those scenarios in their monthly mobilization drills, which is good to hear because some of these things were fairly recent in the news, and they had seen those too and came back to their staffs and said, we need to practice if this event were to ever happen. So our staffs are really on top of it, and they're really, really well prepared uh, for, an, pretty ma- for pretty much any eventuality. Yeah, proactive is always better than reactive, right, Chris, That's in your right. business? So let's talk about the MDOC progress report. That is... Um, going out. You should have it by now, hopefully. If you don't, please call Chris immediately and tell him that you don't have it so we can get you a copy. You can start with your supervisor. But <laughs> no, call Chris directly, please. <laughs> but uh, hopefully hopefully you've seen that, and you know the director talked about it last week on the podcast. Yeah, I think, Chris, you have some, some creative ideas to, to make sure that we're promoting some of the stuff that are, that's in the report, right? Yeah, so we, we love it if once you get your, your copy of it, we'd love for you to uh, get a picture of you uh, holding the report um, and using the hashtag MDOC progress report. Uh, let us know maybe what your favorite part of the progress report is, or maybe your are on the cover. You know, we have a friend of the pod, uh, Dina. Dina Grammatico, yeah. Yeah, she's on the cover, so maybe she could take a picture of herself pointing to her the cover and put a picture out there with I'm the hashtag sure MDOC. I'm sure she'll do that. I'm, I, don't twist her arm, I'm sure you can I'm, make that I'm happen. Sure, I'm sure before, probably already happened before we even yeah. put this out there. <laughs> um, but but if you're out in the field, if you're a field agent or a supervisor, if you want to go take one of these, uh, a copy of the progress report and give it to the judge that you work with or maybe the prosecutor and get a picture uh, with them holding, holding the report. Or if you're uh, in the in one of the facilities, maybe you're the warden or deputy warden or, or anybody at the facility. If you've got a community liaison meeting, maybe you present one to your township supervisor or the, the, the mayor uh, or somebody uh, in the community that you deal with a lot that you think would really benefit from seeing this. Or if you run into the director, uh, grab a copy and uh, get yeah, a picture with the director. But most importantly, use the hashtag MDOC progress report, right? Yeah, we want to see you know where you're where you're reading it, uh, what, what you think about it, and uh, it's really something to be proud of. It's not uh, not a promotion thing for, for us. But it's because there's so much great information in there about all the amazing things that our staff have done over the last uh, five years and really and, and a lot of hard work in the last couple of years uh, to, to fill that out and, and, and to finalize our strategic plan, which we are going to be uh, now creating a, a new one. So we'll be getting uh, onto that, but we would love to see what you guys think of that uh, progress report. Uh, and so please use the hashtag MDOC progress report. That's right, man, because it's not just us. You want to give it to, like, you gave it to Judge, uh, one of the friends of the pod, Judge Rick. Judge Rick, right? yeah, I came up and I personally gave her a copy. And, uh, and she was excited to get that, I know. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm sure judges want to see what's going on in the department because, you know, it, it's not always known what's happening here. So um, share the information with everybody. So what else we have going on, Chris? Anything or are we done for the day? I think this has been a pretty good episode. I think we should probably call it quits before we mess it up. Okay. All right. Well, make sure uh, you tune in to next week for a new episode of Field Days Podcast. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.